everyone. Thanks for tuning into Power Athlete Radio, featuring the crew, where a former pro football player and a D3 all-star use strength and conditioning as an excuse to talk about anything but. Now here's John and Tex. Welcome to another episode of Power Athlete Radio. I'm sitting here with my dynamic duo, Mr. Chris McWilkin, a.k.a. Tex, and we're going to answer some questions. We're going to melt some faces and set some wigs on fire today. Set some wigs on fire. Yeah. So as my good friend Bobby Williams, who was a Q from Arkansas, you say, splitting wigs. Splitting wigs. Splitting splitting wigs. Coming and bringing in knowledge and splitting wigs. I like setting wigs on fire, though. Okay. And melting faces. We have a very interesting question. Oh, are we going to the hotline? We're going. To, we're back. So we're back. So we have this thing called the Power Athlete Hotline nine two nine four six four four six four zero nine two nine ing ing zero. So if you want to reach out and you got a question, drop it on the hotline. We'll put it in the show notes. You can hear it here. But we're going to pull some questions today from the hotline, and then we're going to answer them. And then your head is going to explode. I promise. Let's do it. Fire okay. it up. Well, let's just roll right into it. Bring the heat. Um, John and Tex, how's it going? Hey, uh, love the show. Uh, I've been doing Jack Street now for uh, around six, seven months. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the shadow cycle. Um, I've I've been debating on whether I was going to make this call or not, but I thought it might be an alley-oop for you guys for some good conversation. A little banter. So... A couple weeks ago on those, that shadow set of rack pulls, uh, I brought full intensity and really pushed out as many reps as I could. Um, next day, uh, start to feel a little uh, tenderness in the, the old back door. Um, and then that led to a couple days later, um, leave my uh, post-coffee bowel movements, looking down the toilet and I uh, got some blood. Turns out I had a uh, little external hemorrhoid. Um, And yeah, I wanted to kind of ask you, um, what is your guys' process for coming back from that? You know, if you go read the internet, it basically, uh, a lot of the stuff pretty much says, Stop weightlifting altogether, uh, which I know is definitely not in the cards. I'm um, currently 10 days of taking it pretty easy um, from uh, resistance training. So I wanted to see what you guys thought and um, got any good advice, good stories on how to get back to full strength after letting it heal so um yeah that's my great shadow story uh again love the show bye wow sounds like a lot of apprehension a little bit awkward to talk about something that's pretty prevalent um this does happen more than you would like to know but uh, I would say your first step is you got to get it to calm down. So you got to get the hemorrhoid to calm down. That's an engorged vein. So they have a bunch of medications and different things that topicals you can put on to help get that sucker to calm down. And then once it's calmed down, we have to go and look at. And I'll, I'll tell you this: he 
hit it right on the head when he said, I pushed out. Well, there's a, a lot few to unpack reps. here. For our listeners that are not on Jack Street, let's begin there. Okay. Okay. Our shadow cycle. Yeah, so uh, I we are beginning the sec- the first week of the Shadow Revisited. So roughly seven, eight weeks ago, I launched the Shadow Cycles, which uh, really favor a one set to failure. So we're looking for a target rep range in the first cycle of 10 to 12 reps. Um, I used a whole bunch of really creative ways to get people to figure out what their 10, 11, 12 RM rep range was. And then we were getting people with some of the compound movements to really hit uh, those numbers and then using a bunch of other creative unilateral body weight, whatnot, you know, dumbbell split squat, you know, X, Y, and Z axis to really try to hit these guys volume. Um, and just really just start driving intensity. I felt like a lot of the program we had done on Jack street was very volume heavy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, a lot of times where, you know, you can make up for some shitty intensity work or some shitty high end stuff by just stacking volume on the front and the backside. And as I went and, you know, started kind of reviewing what we'd done over the last year and the programs that we had really just kind of leaned on, uh, the one thing that really struck me was that we needed more intensity. I needed more one sets to failure. I needed to really to have people push themselves past what they thought was possible. But just getting people to that, uh, you have to not only be creative, you have to be smart, and you have to be able to kind of slide in on it. Now, the issue um, is we have people jumping in and out. Like, you know, there's, you know, today there's going to be a guy who's never heard of Jack Street that's going to jump in. And so we have to be smart in the way that I program it, realizing that there's people that have been on Jack Street for two years and there's people that have been on it for two minutes. So being able to blend that has been very interesting. So we hit that for six weeks. We did a reload, which is kind of, uh, I hate the term deload, so I like reload. It's like, hey, I got to put more bullets in the gun. And uh, now we're hitting Shadow Revisited, which is going to do the same what to sell, uh, sorry, same one set to failure, but is going to start incorporating uh, some isometric, some time isometric contractions with uh, the drop sets. So, uh, and uh, we're going to get to some heavy eccentrics as well. Oh, baby. So I'm going to do the the first week's going to have some isos, the second week's going to have some eccentrics. And we're going to kind of go back and forth and use a little bit of what we learned, uh, you know, on the field strong and uh, the French contrast cycles. And I'm going to try to see if I can throw a little bit of that into Jack Street. Oh, I can't wait for that. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Coach those up. Oh, it's going to be bitching. We we should do. I mean, you know, if we had (laughs) if I hadn't spent the well, last week we were at Sornex. The week before that, I spent a week in the shop. Uh, I had a buddy of mine who's like a world-class fabricator um, tell me he had a week off from work. So he flew in and we started on Monday and worked for seven days. We put over a hundred hours in the shop to help me get my uh, uh, crew crawler, which you guys follow me on Instagram at at John Wellborn. I post some pictures of it. So we've been working on this off-road truck. I started it in uh, when lockdown hit in May and kicked ass. And then I got stalled out because I was waiting on some other stuff and, you know, work, whatnot. And so he helped me come and kind of turn the corner and get the project right where I, right where it needs to be, so I can get it finished here in about the next thirty days. Yes. Well, all that to say, we we got some fun coaching content coming your way. The uh, field strong execution of eccentric isometrics is everything within the program. It's not just doing it; it's how you do it. Yep. So we'll expand that towards the the Jack Street voice. So look for that yep. our Jack Street clientele. And next thing to get into now, the movement. Yeah, so rack pull. Yeah, so what I'll do a lot of times on the poles is I like to periodize through different ranges of motion on the poles. Like we were using what we call a Dorian deadlift, 
which is, uh, you know, start, you know, you deadlift the weight up into the, you know, to the top position, you're in full extension. And then from there you deadlift down or you, you know, do the deadlift movement down to pretty much, you know, an inch above the ground, maybe just below the knees and you pull back up so that the bar never, you know, never touches the ground. Mm -hmm. Um, so we use that one. I'll use rack pulls. I use, you know, deadlifts off the ground, we'll pull halting. So what I found is that training the deadlift in different ranges of motion in different ways is an excellent way to attack it. So we were using rack pulls from done from the base of the kneecap. Now here's a, here's a little trick or here's a little bit of advice that I'm going to give you that unfortunately our friend had to figure out the hard way, but I thought that uh, his question gives us an awesome opportunity and really do a teaching moment. Um, in his statement, when he called in, he was leaving his question. He made the point. I pushed out a few more reps when you deadlift and when you squat, I want you to think about pulling everything in. So like imagine like I'm trying to like crack a walnut in my butt cheeks and I'm trying to literally pull my butthole inside my body. I'm trying to pull my top ab down and I'm trying to pull everything into my pelvis and into my spine like we do on the dead bugs. The reason we teach the dead bug the way we do is we want you to draw your trunk in, flatten your back and pull everything in. So when you deadlift, and especially on the rack pull, when you set up, you have to draw everything in, draw the trunk in, and then you pull. The problem people run into all too often is they put on a belt and then they push their belly out in the belt and then they push out in their lower region like they're trying to go number two. And when that happens and you're pushing out and pull, you know, you're trying to pull the weight, but effectively you're trying to push out a few more reps, that's all of a sudden where I think hemorrhoids and this starts to become an issue. If you can draw everything in and keep everything tight, and if you're sitting down in the chair listening to this, imagine like squeezing your butt cheeks as hard as you can and actually trying to levitate off of off of the chair, and you can watch me, I'll be like, Ugh. that's the same cue you want to give. And uh, it's it's funny, like I do it when I drive. I like think about like keeping everything tight and doing isometric holds when I drive and squeezing everything and just working on keeping everything tight. So I think all too often when people go to pull and they go to set up, the cue they think is like, especially if they're wearing a belt, is belly out and they push out. So I want you to draw everything in. Um, also, we saw at Sornex, the guys from Breath Belt. Um, and a Breath Belt, if you guys aren't familiar with it, a little Google search will find it. I love it for teaching that drawn in position. So I prefer to wear a Breath Belt almost more than a belt because what it does is I strap it up and it pulls that position. It actually is like a tactile cue for teaching you the dead bug. And I really think that's teaching people to draw their trunk in, which is something that, uh, man, I, I argued for years, especially with the West Side stuff where they were constantly putting on the belt. And what they were doing is belly out to try to push their belly against the belt. And what they were doing is trying to increase, you know, the base. They're trying to make a, a, a bigger base on the, on the triangle, let's say on the pyramid. But uh, for those guys, that was very specific to what they want. And I don't think that that's a good cue for the people that are following our stuff. No, and the opportunity, dead bugs, Spider-Man, all the movement prep involved there is your opportunity to then master this zipping up, as Aunt Lo would say. Zipping up is a very, very good, and uh, you know, uh, and we see this all too often in coaching, and I think we got to see it even more so when we were teaching the CrossFit football seminar. Excuse me, one cue that we give that helps somebody understand it another person will just look at us blank eyed. So mm -hmm. we got to the point where we had four or five different ways to say everything, and then we would just machine gun throw it until one actually clicked. So zip everything up. 
Uh, I really like that idea of cracking a walnut in the butt shell and trying to squeeze. Um, I know a, um, another one of our coaches used to use Well, oh, I do term. that literally. It's a tactical cue, yeah. John. Well, I also, the other one that I just shook my head at and I was like, that's a, don't ever get that one on film was, uh, I want you to pretend you're fighting off prison rape. Mm. And I was like, that's a, that's a vivid one. Now, I'm not going to use that cue, especially with, you know, at a seminar, but I thought that that was an interesting one to use. But at the end of the day, I think if you can squeeze and try to draw everything in, almost like we're talking about sitting on the seat, squeezing everything and pushing yourself up and trying to levitate off the chair, that'll give you a pretty good position. Now, when you draw that bar into your shins and you get set up, I want you to think about pulling that top ab down, squeeze, you know, pulling that trunk into the spine, squeezing everything and pulling everything together. And then once that's set, holding it and then pulling. And it takes practice. As John is practicing it, just that direction in his chair while he's driving yep. to Sornex, you should practice that sitting here and then take it into a dead bug. Yep. And once you pull the body into it, the full body into it, then you can work your way to the barbell. Well, uh, the other thing too, and I was thinking on the dead bugs, is a lot of times your lack of conditioning is a limiting factor in the dead bug. And we see this all the time where people just aren't, aren't conditioned to hold themselves in that position. Once you get your conditioning to the point where like you can just hang out, and we do this, we can hang out in the dead bug for five minutes. We've done it. Like talk, like we'll go out and coach and people are dying and moving and shaking and we're just out there like doing it like it's nothing. But once you get to the point where you're proficient at the dead bug, you have to add some form of resistance and weight. Whether it's a kettlebell or a dumbbell in the hand or bands hooked up to the feet or the legs. And so for training me personally, partner. yeah, or a training partner. So for me personally, I still do dead bugs every day. Um, but I also know they're just part of my warm up, a little bit of patterning, but I have to at least push the dead bug and I use bands. So I'll get into position. The other one I do is I uh, start in the, in the you know, dead bug home position and I bring my hands and feet back and I stay in that you know, kind of levitated plank and I squeeze and try to push my body off of the ground. Um, you know, like we were talking about in terms of squeezing and pulling the butt mm -hmm. and then pulling it down and then try to hold that isometric contraction for at least 60 seconds. And then going in when we start doing the, you know, um, different cross patterning, but then you're going to have to throw some weight and some resistance because you have to challenge it. So that's something that we don't get a ton into because, um, it, well, it, as you mentioned, it's a rolling program. Some yeah. people have been on it for two years, two minutes. The so, dead bug variation we yeah. can lead up. Well, if you've been following Jack Street for any length of time, like our listen or our caller who's got six or seven months, you need to be progressing your dead bugs. We uh, had the same guy hit me up at uh, Sornex, who's like, "Hey, I, I um, you know, at which point do I start adding weight to my pull-ups?" And he's like, I can get seven or eight dead hang pull-ups. And I'm like, if you can get 20 dead hang with perfect technique without reaching, getting damn near your chest to the bar and every rep looks perfect at 20, start adding weight. Before that time, just keep doing body weight. And he was like, well, I can do seven or eight. I'm like, fucking, that ain't good enough. I got to the point where I could do 20 plus dead hangs. And then that was when we started throwing, you know, putting five and 10 pound pocket or uh, plates in our pockets. And then being able to like do as many as I can, ditch the plates, jump up and get as many as, my, as we can. So there's different ways to kind of skin it. Um, we had a question on Jack Street, I think it was yesterday, where a guy's like, hey, uh, I suck at pull-ups, I need to practice pull-ups, where should I throw pull-ups in? And you, we usually have pull-ups, but I cut the volume this week on the pull-ups because I'm bookending the back days. So we're doing you know, legs and a little bit of hamstrings on Monday, Tuesday we're doing chest and, and shoulders 
And then Wednesday, I'm doing back and arms, taking a day off, and then we're coming back and hitting the heavy back and legs. So I kind of, yeah. th- I'm throwing a different cadence at them. So I have to be smart on that third day to not completely fucking destroy people so that they have a day off and they can go in and deadlift heavy and hit some gnarly shit on Thursday. While we're on pull-ups, pull-ups are also your opportunity for our caller here to practice that zipping up. Yep. And now imagine we're in a good dead bug position where our, our arms are neutral out in front of us like Frankenstein. And then we raise one arm up. It's pulling on that pelvic floor and challenging your ability to maintain that position. Then we can go two arms like a, a four-way dead bug or just two arms only or two arms resisted bands as John or single kettlebell. Yep. Either way, infinite way to stress it where I'm raising my hands overhead. Now I'm dead hanging from my pull-up. Everything's pulling up on my pelvic floor, but I'm aiming to maintain neutral pelvis, the zipped up position and knock out my pull-ups while maintaining the pelvic floor. Now there's a lot to think about right there. Again, I want to have you chunk it back, practice it sitting, practice it in the dead bug, practice it in the strict pull-up and then bring it into your other lifts. But that neutral pelvis zipped up bunghole and then execute. Yeah. The, uh, a couple weeks ago, we had a clinic. Um, we've been uh, doing some field testing, a little bit of stuff for uh, our Block One network and a series of clinics that we want to put on for, you know, uh, you know, middle school, high school age kids to get them into lifting weights. So uh, before we push it out into our Block One network and start doing these, you know, clinics everywhere, uh, we needed a chance to do them ourselves and to kind of figure out the flow and trials and tribulations and you know price point and how we'd all do it, especially working with kids under eighteen. And it was cool to bring in those kids and teach that uh, one-day lifting clinic for them and putting them through dead bugs mm-hmm. and realizing how, because, I mean, I, I, like when I, when I say these kids are weak, I mean, like weak by what standard, right? Like by my standard, of course, because they never really lifted weights and they're still in this kind of maturation thought. I mean, they're still all kind of going through puberty, which was even more funny because the amount of voice crackings was hysterical. This kid would be like, and then, uh, and like their voices would change octones. Oh, so funny. Dropped right in front Uh, of you. Dude, it was amazing to hear the voice crackings. Uh, But the kids, when we would do dead bugs, they lacked so much strength in just being able to hold a basic isometric contraction, which is funny because um, my daughters, like zero problem doing it, but they go to gymnastics and they do a lot of isometric contractions and there's a lot of holds in, in all their training. Um, so it was pretty interesting to see how we couldn't even get, like, I don't even think we got off dead bug home position with those kids. We just couldn't even get them to hold their hands and feet up in an isometric contraction. Now, is that a problem? No, because they weigh like 60 pounds, 80 pounds. These kids were, you know, maybe hundred, 120, like they were small, um, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13. Some kids were bigger. There was one kid that was probably about, you know, 220 pounds. Um, but just seeing... Like, hey, this isn't a problem today, but this will be a problem unless you learn how to not only create an efficient position, but get better at isometric contractions. Because as you know, isometric contractions build stability. You don't build stability with you know flexion and extension. Stability under weight comes from being able to do those isometric contractions well. Mm-hmm. And that's not only for 13-year-olds. It's also for 40-year-olds and 30-year-olds. 40, 30, 20. And 20. Well, I, we saw that in the CrossFit deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was never any, you know, uh, emphasis put on isometric contractions and, you know, stability, which is interesting because, you know, CrossFit comes from the roots of gymnastics and through Greg Glassman's experience as a gymnast, and they do a ton of isometric contractions and a lot of isometric holds. 
and a lot of stability within gymnastics, but that part, there's no way to do AMRAP with isometric contractions. There's no way to, to, you know, fucking increase work capacity or broad time modal domains. If you are not, if you are in a still position. Well, there's also that dangerous quote where class, something along the lines, we'll never do abs or just brace underneath the barbell. I'll have to look it up. Oh, the midline stability. Yeah. Yeah. When people ask if we do abs, all we do is midline stability, which is really a basic isometric contraction. Because what you're doing is you're fixing that trunk and then you're moving, you know, your lower limbs in such a way and you have to be able to challenge that posture and position. So to, to wrap up, <sighs> to, yeah, to zip it up, to wrap it up, uh, I think what happened is when you got in, you pulled it tight and as you got tired and fatigued and you started really pushing the bounds of what I want in terms of the shadow, which is that true one set to failure, you got to the point where, you know, all of a sudden technique broke down. You probably got a little bit of bend in the back, a little break. And what you started doing, if you were wearing a belt or maybe even you, if you weren't, you started pushing against and you started pushing out a few reps. If he had said I was pulling a more few, a few reps, I would have thought it was a little bit different. But that, that even point in his question, uh, when he said I pushed out a few reps, I was like, oh, shit, I know exactly what he did. And we've seen it happen for a number of years in that cue in terms of like drawing everything in becomes really, really important. So first, you got to get it to calm down. Um, if you have a engorged vein and you have a hemorrhoid that's, you know, fucking angry, uh, anything you're going to do is exasperated. So you got to get that sucker to calm down, get back to normal, get the tissue quality back. And then from there, you just going to have to go slow and really focus on your technique and just being good. Well, there you have it. All right. All right. Thanks nice for, way to zip that up, John. Yeah. Thanks for joining for another episode of Power Athlete Radio. And if people have unique and specific questions for their training, where do they go? They go to the hotline or you can jump on Power Athlete uh, training programs through Train Heroic and mm-hmm. you can hit us in the feed. Uh, all you got to do is sign up for a program, go in, and there is a feed there where you know you can ask, uh, ask questions. You get answered by the Power Athlete coaches, but also your community. So if you want to drop us a question, you can reach out to the hotline at, at 949-464-464-0-929-ing-ing-0. And, uh, I mean, we're easy to get a hold of. You can always shoot an email to info or training at Power Athlete HQ, and uh, we'll hit you with a response. And then last but not least, the new shadow cycle. Mm, Where do they want to go if they want a seven-day free trial? If you go to powerathletehq.com backslash jackstreet or backslash training, both get you there, you can click on a link and you can get over to Train Heroic, sign up for jackstreet, and you can get on on, uh, shadow revisited. So this is the second iteration where I'm throwing a few changes. I've learned a few things. Um, It's pretty interesting when you write something and, you know, we test everything ahead of time here at Power Athlete. So I knew what I wanted, but it's always interesting to push it out in the wild and see a few thousand people do a program and the information and feedback and response and confusion and how people kind of view things is really pretty fascinating because, you know, we sit down and I write it. It looks like it makes sense to me. We kick it over to, um, you know, our programming gnomes to go through and make sure I don't have any spelling errors and everything makes sense. Once the gnomes give it its approval, then they, you know, push it out into the world. So it's always cool to see what people come back with and then to sit down and see those and then make some changes and see if I can have less of those going forward. So shadow revisited. Yep. Seven days. Hop on it. Zip it up. All right. Bye. Bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. 
Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. And if you like to break a mental sweat too, visit academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time, bye!